Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Amen. We serve a faithful God, y'all. And that is more than just a song. That is a declaration of what life looks like for us. This morning when you woke up, you woke up to faithfulness. Amen. And what's amazing about the faithfulness of God is his faithfulness, even when we're not faithful to him. Because the reality is most of us in your lives, think of all your friendships. You're faithful back to the person that is faithful to you, but you're not faithful to the person that's disloyal to you. But it is only in the wisdom of God that he says, I'm going to be faithful, even though this person isn't faithful to me. And the greatest demonstration of God's commitment of faithfulness in your life is the cross of Jesus Christ. So we worship Jesus today. That is why we come. Old Saints used to sing a song back in the day says, glad to be in the service. Glad to be in the service. Glad to be in the service one more time. He didn't have to let me live, but I'm glad to be in the service. Anybody glad you made it out today? Listen, if there was a day that you would skip, this rainy day is the day. And man, you certainly could have stayed home and watched YouTube sermon clips and been ministered to by Bedside Baptist and Overseer Sheets, but you made it out today, and it's a big deal. Uh, We are grateful. The the, the main reason why we gather, the climactic moment of our gathering is to get into the Word of God. So won't you guys do it? Grab your Bibles and meet me. The second book of the Bible, Exodus. Exodus is where we're going to be. Hey, while you're turning there, I quickly want to acknowledge and uh, show my love, appreciation, and affections for uh, two individuals. Um, let me take us back to when we first started the church. We, our first real public gathering was in 2015, but we started to have conversation and talks and gather a small team of people uh, in 2014. And actually, the very first gathering uh, was at my house when I was still in Philly doing my residency in preparation to uh, plant the church here. Uh, We did a small gathering at my house with two other couples that came with us to New York to plant the church. One of them was Daryl and Trish, and the other couple was that Ken Renates, Chris and Tashina. Wave your hand, Chris, in the back. And uh, Chris and Tashina uh, assumed leadership over our worship team before we even had a worship team. In fact, if I can be honest with you, I remember in 2014, there were times I had to preach out and Chris and Tashina would come with me and do some music before before uh, before I preached. And when I reflect over the years of, uh, of, of service that they've, that they've given unto this church, uh, they've done so, number one, without ever, ever um, complaining. Number two, they've also done so and really haven't taken any real breaks. It was in that season of 2014 to now that they got married and they got a little bit of a break when they went on a honeymoon. Uh, and then uh, they had a baby, beautiful baby Ava, and then they got a little bit of a break when uh, they uh, went out on maternity and paternity leave. Uh, but, you know, they, they've been working so hard that uh, it's, as elders, we came together and said it'd probably be a good idea that they take some time to rest and to enjoy one another. So I'm excited to, to announce that uh, starting next week, they are on a three to four month sabbatical. And man, let's celebrate that. And I just want to publicly honor them and uh, sh- uh, say how much I love them. Tashina just came in. Wave your hand, Tashina. 
Amen. And Ava, go ahead, wave your hand, Ava. I see you. And man, we love that Kim Renates. They, they've served us so well. Many of you come in and, and you get the, the privilege of uh, being led in worship. But there was a lot of preparation that went into that during the week. And so we are grateful for Chris and Tashina. We are excited to see them rest, not only rest, but uh, we came together as a church and said it'd be good to send them away for a weekend. Nothing extravagant, but we're going to send them away so that they can get some time to rest. And we're going to babysit Ava so they can enjoy and take some time off. So when y'all see them, make sure y'all honor them. All right. We'll, we'll be in good hands while they're out. Raise your hand, Josh. Josh is assuming leadership. Amen. So we're excited about it. All right, let's get into the word of God. We are in Exodus 20 today. Um, we are in our series on boundaries. Have y'all been enjoying the series on boundaries? Amen. We kicked it off week one, which is a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about people boundaries. We looked at Mark one and we look at how Jesus was very clear to set up boundaries and limit access that people had to him. Verse 35 says that Jesus went to a desolate place and there he prayed and uh, those boundaries needed to be maintained because people wanted to come back and get around him. And he went to the next town and we, we pulled out some practical principles about emotional and people boundaries. And then last week we got together and I, I preached a sermon that was uh, really PG-13 and talked about sexual boundaries by looking at the life of Joseph and how Joseph didn't play with purity. Joseph was passionate about maintaining purity and walking with the Lord to the point where Potiphar's wife wanted uh, to sleep with him. And he was very clear that that just is not happening. Um, and both of those sermons have the potential to uh, be applicable for 90 to 95% of the room. But today's topic, I think, hits every one of us. I don't think there's a person in here that could walk away and say, no, nah, I'm killing it in that area. And we're going to talk today about work boundaries. I'm going to talk today about limiting some of the work that you were doing because many of us, if we're honest, we're depleted, we're exhausted, and we're tired. And, and most, of the, most of that is tied to the amount of projects you put on your plate, the amount of work that you do, the fact that you don't have days off. And so I think the word of God is going to minister to us today. Won't you pick me up in verse 8? We're in Exodus 20. It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it, you shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Team No Sleep. Team No Sleep. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we're at it again. And I realize, Lord, that this isn't just a hashtag. This is the reality of many of our lives. And I think I speak on behalf of the entire room, Lord, when I say many of us are overworked. And as a consequence, we're tired. We're exhausted. On the brink of a nervous breakdown and nobody knows it and culture doesn't help us God let me, let me be a little bit more clear this city does not help us with work boundaries and so we've built our identity around never taking off and just always being available and always working and father it's not healthy so father would you show us today how unhealthy it is and point us to what rest looks like through your scriptures 
Help us today to be doers of your word, not hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. It's in Christ's name we give all glory and honor. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Team No Sleep. Uh, Over the summertime, my wife took my uh, oldest son to the doctor to get a checkup. And uh, it was there that they went through the normal, you know, procedures of what they do. They check your weight, they check your height. And my wife eagerly texts me to let me know that my son was 5'10 and a half. And then after that, she wanted to let me know that he's a half an inch taller than I am. Now, I felt some type of way about that because I don't want nobody in my house taller than me. Uh, But my oldest son is taller than me now. Not only that, he wears a larger shoe size than me. That means he just needs to get a job somewhere around now. But he wears a a larger shoe size than me. He's taller than me. Uh, Likewise, my youngest son. I I look back at old videos and old pictures of my of my youngest son and realize that he grew as well since the beginning of this year to now. It was a growth spurt. And if I'm honest, what I'm looking at to 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 see what contributed to that growth spurt really was the summertime. Do you know it's proven that children grow more in the summertime? And the reason they grow more in the summertime is because they don't have the same schedules. They're not getting up as early. They're resting. They're asleep. In fact, if I can tell you what my boys did this summer, uh, their summer was not marked by reading, but sleeping. And don't nobody sleep like my two boys. (laughs) I can promise you that. There was one time my wife and I walked into the house. I'm putting them on blast today. I walked into the house and uh, we have a strict rule in our house that you can't Get in your bed with outside clothes on. Anybody don't play those games? You don't bring outside world into the bed. And so I came into the house and they know that rule. So they, you know, when I came into the house, one was sleep up under the kitchen table and the other one was sleep in his closet. And I'm like, did somebody come in and shoot up the house? They just like fell asleep in these spots. And and the reality is that the reason that they were able to grow, particularly over the summertime, is because they rested. The reason they were able to grow is because they slept and sleeping helps your body to catch up. Sleeping helps your body to fight off viruses. Sleeping helps you to stretch. And just in case you think I'm still talking about the sleeping habits of my boys, you're now missing it because now I'm talking about the rhythms of rest in your life. I'm talking about the rhythms of work boundaries in your life. I'm talking about how busy and overloaded you are. And the the main thing that is contributing to stunting your growth is that you're always busy. The main thing that's stunting your growth is that seven days a week you're always available. But there needs to be some times where you just disconnect. And so what the scripture is going to give us is it's going to give us this understanding of work boundaries, but it's going to do it in one word, in one word alone, and that's rest. Now, we're at a passage when you opened up Exodus chapter 20, many of you immediately were familiar with the passage because you're like, this is the Ten Commandments. Verses 3 to 17 show me that, you know, what God tells me not to do. But in reality, many of us understand, if I went around the room and I said, hey, tell me what the Ten Commandments are, some of you wouldn't be able to go through all 10. You'll say the big ones. Don't don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill nobody. That's what we would say are the Ten Commandments. But do you know the fourth commandment is just as important as don't kill, don't steal and don't commit adultery? But what we've done is we've treated the fourth commandment as the stepchild of the commandments. We've we've treated this commandment like Kiki Palmer. I, I do not know who this man is. Sorry to the Sabbath. 
sorry to rest. We, we've ignored what God has called us to do. And I was on the train earlier this week and I was looking through my version app and uh, I got to this passage and I highlighted, you know, you can highlight on the, 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 the scriptures that you want and I highlighted in yellow the scriptures on rest. And to my surprise, I realized that it is not just the fourth commandment, but the longest of the Ten Commandments. I blew up my U version for you guys to take a look at. And this is what it looks like. Now, stay with me here. Consider that this is verses 13 to 17. These are the commandments. And most of the commandments, most of them are one liners. You shall not commit a uh, murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. But when he wanted to talk about rest, look how long he talked about rest. It is almost as though God is screaming at us. Put some boundaries in place. Get, 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 get all of that work off your plate. Get that project off your plate. This is going to mess you up. Lose some money so that you can rest. See, because we don't rest because it's more stressful for us to lose money. But by the end of this sermon, you'll, you'll see that actually resting is more important than the money that you are making. And so the Bible is going to give us clear instructions today. Very practical instructions on what rest looks like. Look at verse eight with me. Y'all with me? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. The, the first word begs for our attention this morning. The first word is remember. Now, for the Bible to say remember, that means that Israel had to ex- be exposed to rest already. They, they had to be, they, whenever it says, whenever the Bible, this is Bible study 101, whenever the Bible tells you to remember something, you have to understand that it's already been stated before. They've already been exposed to it before. So I'm always asking myself when the Bible says, remember, I want to search for what were the circumstances that God first exposed them to it. Do you know at least twice right now, God has already exposed them to the concept of rest. We didn't drop into Exodus 20. And the first time he talks about work boundaries is here, but he showed them, he modeled for them work boundaries. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that in Genesis 2, verse 2, on the seventh day, God finished all the work that he did and he rested on the seventh day from the work that he did. In other words, God is like, if you want to know what work boundaries look like, don't look at culture. Look at me. You, you want to know what it looks like to actually take some time off. Look to me and don't get it twisted. God was not resting because he was tired. God was not resting because he was weary. God was not resting because he was exhausted. Omnipotence can't be tired. The divine can't be weary. So you got to understand that God is resting for the mere fact that he wants you to have a model of what it looks like to take some time off. And, you know, as a pastor, if I'm honest, I was convicted when I read this earlier this week. And the reason I was convicted, because as as a pastor, I don't feel like I should ever get a day off in ministry. I feel like I should always be giving. I should always be available because there's always needs in the church. And so therefore, I always have to be available for people. And I foolishly have said things like, this is what it looks like in my life. The devil don't take no day off. So therefore, I can't take no day off. But when you use that as the as the model, really, the devil is your model and idol for work and rest and not God. And so God is sitting in heaven. and He's like, listen, I know the devil don't take no days off, but I did. I rested. I took a nap. I enjoyed some time of vacationing and resting. That's not literal, but you need to. You need to take some time off and 
For some of you, the deepest thing you can do this week is disconnect. Have a Netflix and chill day. Just relax. Just, just, just disconnect from the world because you've been too busy. So the, the, the first way that he showed them to remember was remember me. Remember what I did. I created everything in, in, in the earth in six days. And then on the seventh day, I just took off. And the second way, don't miss the second way. The second way that God showed them that he rested was how he provided manna. Do you guys remember how God provided manna? Look at Exodus chapter 16. The Bible says that God was very clear to pull Israel out of Egypt. When he pulled them out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness. And when they were wandering, God provided every day manna for them. Now, I know we don't like to live paycheck to paycheck, but Israel literally lived manna to manna. Because God said, go out and collect the manna that's on the ground, but don't connect, don't collect too much. Because if you take too much, read Exodus 16, the next day it'll turn to worms. The next day it will start to stink. So you can only collect enough for your household for one day. But I need to model for you Sabbath. I need to model for you work boundaries. I need to model for you rest. And so therefore, I'm going to drop the manna like bread. I'm going to make it rain on the ground for six days. But the seventh day, it ain't going to be no manna. Do you know that God did not provide manna every single day? The sixth day, they had to collect double. Why did they collect double? Because God is like, I'm preparing you to rest. So Exodus chapter 20, he's re-giving them this idea of resting. First, he says, look at me. I'm your model. I worked six and I rested one. But don't only look there. Look at how I provided manna for you. I didn't give it to you every day. I gave it to you six days because one day I want you to rest. And if you're in this room struggling with boundaries, you're in this room struggling with resting, it's probably because you're looking at culture and not looking at God. Because God is saying, I'm resting. And you got to understand, I know you're busy. I know your calendar is filled up this week. But unless you created mountains, you ain't got a busier schedule than God. Unless you created the sun, unless you created the atoms, unless you created people, you ain't got a busier schedule than God. God created everything in six days, but God is so dope. He says, I got a model for them. Now that I did my work, I got to sit back and I got to rest. You need to look to God for rest. You need to look to God for what it looks like. To, now God didn't believe in team no sleep. It's not biblical. It's not healthy. Physically, it's not healthy. This week, I want you to do me a favor. Don't sleep. Don't forget everything I said. Forget what the scriptures say. I want you this week not to take a nap, not to sleep at all at night. Do it for seven days. By Thursday, you'll be in the hospital. You'll be sick. You'll be out of your mind because God has created you in such a way that the body needs to rest. And if the body needs to rest, then so do you. There, there, there's a term that many farmers use. It's an agrarian term and it's fallow. Somebody say fallow. F-A-L-L-O-W. See, farmers understood this principle of work rest because this term fallow literally means they understand that you cannot sow into the same field every single year because if you sow into the same field every year, you rob the soil of its nutrients, thus not making it fruit uh, fertile, thus not making it fruitful. And so if you keep sowing there, farmers know that after a while, it's not going to produce any fruit. Why? Because the dirt's tired. You got to understand if dirt needs rest and the reason you ain't saying nothing is because you don't realize what you're made of. 
Bible says that God looked at down on the earth and he dug into the dirt and he made Adam and the same dirt that needed to rest is what you are made of. Do not think that you are a machine and you can keep working and working and working and working. At some point, you're going to be depleted. Some point you're going to be exhausted and many of you are exhausted right now, but you need to you need to live by this term fallow. I can't sow into the same field every year. I was watching a video with Steve Harvey and he was saying rich people don't sleep eight hours a day. But then I looked on his timeline and him and Marjorie were on vacation. I said, ah, you sleep, though. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's unreal because what we do is we think that we're not productive working six days, but I am more productive on a focused six days than I am a tired seven. Many of us are working and working and working and really you're, you're, you're divided. You're tired. You're exhausted. And so God is screaming at us today. He's saying, listen, remember the Sabbath day. Remember that there's a day that you need to disconnect. Now, here's the question you should be asking. Why do I have to remember the Sabbath day? Verse eight tells us, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This word holy literally means set apart. It means given to God. It, it's sanctified for God. And when you read the scriptures, it usually gives us uh, the understanding that people are holy. Sometimes it says places are holy. It says things are holy. But here we are in Exodus 20 and it's saying time should be holy. There should be a block of your time during the week that is given to God and you give it to God by resting. Did you know that there should be a block of your time? There should be a day where you don't do any work. And some of you, today's that day, but if you, you've already checked your emails for work. You've already responded to emails. On the way here, you were handling business on your way here. What you're doing is you're going against God's creative. See, work is not bad. Well, work isn't bad. It's just when you work constantly and you don't ever have time to rest. And so he says, remember the Sabbath. Why? To keep it holy. To, to give it to God, to separate yourself from people. God says, work six days. I'm giving you seven, but I just want you to work six. Why? Because I actually need one. Th that's what God is saying to you. You working seven is stingy because you're robbing God of getting one. It's like tithing. God says, listen, you can, you can live off 90. Just give me 10. That's all I'm asking for. But we've been so stingy. What we've done is we've said, I got to get on my grind. I got to get busy. I got to keep working. I got to work every single day. But you're a slave to your job. You're in bondage. Do you know that Exodus 20 is giving them instructions to recondition their mind because they were former slaves in Egypt? Do me a favor. And this week, Google the Egyptian ancient Egyptian calendar. Because the ancient Egyptian calendar is similar to ours, but there are some differences. See, ours has, as Anita Baker would say, 365 days in a year. Theirs actually had 360 days, which was divided into 12 months, just like ours, 30 days each month. But here's the difference. They didn't have four to five weeks like we have. They had three weeks. Do the math. 30 days and three weeks is 10 day weeks. And as slaves, they were required to work every single day. There was not a day off for them. And so what you're doing working seven days a week, you think you're a boss. You think you are an entrepreneur. You think you're a CEO. But what you really are is a slave. Because God is like, only slaves work every day. My people rest the day. My people get out of the way and let me do my God thing. Your job will be okay if you rest one day. 
You're, the emails ain't going nowhere. Handle them in six days and rest one day. This model of working six and resting one is a very important model. And you in here right now, you're going, I don't think I'm a slave of my job. Let, let, me, let me help you to see if you're a slave. Practically, this is what it looks like. If I can't have lunch with you without you checking your phone a hundred times to check work emails, you might be a slave. If we can't ever hang out and you picking up the phone 15 times, I got to handle this problem. Hold on for a second. I got to If you can't, if you can't, we can't just have time. You might be a slave. If you've already answered those emails, you might be a slave. And as much as we hate slavery, many of us are going to a job and we're saying, that's my slave master. Many of us are entrepreneurs and we're saying, I'm a slave to this thing. But God is like, listen, you ain't working seven days a week because if you are, you are a slave. You are, you are Israel and Egypt. What I need you to do is rest one day. Six days you're able to work. But the seventh day, you need to rest. Now, this call to rest is actually a call to work. See, this is almost going to seem anti the topic because this call that I'm going to make to you is actually to work. I know you're like, Pastor B, you told me work boundaries. Work boundaries mean I need to go out of here and quit my job. Now, that's stupid. What the scriptures is calling you to is actually work. How do I know that? Look at verse 9. He says nothing about rest in verse nine. In verse nine, he says, six days you shall labor and do all of your work. Those two words are synonymous, labor and work. In other words, what he's saying is you need to rest from work, but you can't rest from rest. And many of us, that's what we're doing. I ain't got no job, but yo, I blocked off a whole day on the calendar to be, but you need to work. You, you, that, that's, that's anti what God is calling you to do. Actually to rest, he's actually calling you to work. But what he's calling you to is a effective producing work in six days, not seven. He's saying have limits on it, but he's not telling you not to work. You got to understand, we've rejoiced when we say God took off a day, but do you know he worked well on six days? Like he worked so well on six days that the Bible says that in verse 31, after he created everything, he sat up at it and looked at it and said, it's good. See, can you do that to your work? See, that's the, it's not just about working. It's about, about working with integrity, working with effectiveness, working with excellence. God worked with excellence. You cannot point to anything in creation and say he messed that up. No, he didn't mess it up. He said, it's good. Can you look at that project and say, it's good? Can you look at what's on your plate and say, it's good. So the calling to rest is actually God calling to tell you to work. You can't show up two hours late and say it's good. You can't. You, you can't be in the break room looking at red table talk every day on company time. You, you, you can't look at Trevor Noah's. Y'all need to see uh, Breakfast Club with Trevor Noah. It was a good interview. But you, you, you can't. You literally can't on company time be looking at Breakfast Club and catching up on Netflix. What if God did that in creation? What if he started creating the Grand Canyon? It was like, oh, Trevor Noah's on. Let me go over here and look at Breakfast Club. He didn't do that. What if he created you and was watching State of the Culture while he created you? What if he said, oh, God, I forgot to put their lungs in because I was watching State of... The culture, he worked and he worked well. In other words, you got to earn the right to rest. You got to earn the right to relax and to take off. This principle is really what I'm, I'm trying to give you a paradigm shift. Work six, rest one. 
We don't understand that. In our minds, we work seven and it's productive, but it's anti what God is calling us to do. And if I'm honest, I live by this principle. Weekly, I live by the principle of working six and resting one. I live by it. Fridays is my day off. And in order to get to a day off, I have to work hard on the other days. That means there are some Thursday nights I have to work the double shift. That, that means there are some days because I actually can't rest well if the work's not done. Anybody like that? That you, you just can't sleep. You can't enjoy the day off if you got to go back to a bunch. No, grind six good days so that you can rest one of those days. On Fridays when I'm off, I'm off. I'm holding hands with Ty. I'm eating pancakes. I'm eating what, what Lamique say, $30 eggs. I'm eating, I'm just doing, I really don't do eat $30 eggs, but, but, but we, we, we try to pull back and rest. And the point I'm making is I'm only able to do that when I've worked and worked well. So some of you need to step your game up when it comes to work. This calling for you to rest is actually a calling for you not to have the Monday blues every Monday. Every Monday can't be a bad Monday. Like, God didn't create Monday and be like, oh, I'm so tired. It's Monday. Like, we, we can't have Monday blues. If, you're, if you hate Monday so much, try to skip one. Go in a coma on one Monday. You're going to love Mondays. Every day, you're going to love it. And so God is like, listen, every day is an opportunity for you to reflect my glory. And so don't ever complain about a day that Chris said earlier when he was singing, you wake up to a faithful God. Why are you complaining on a Monday? When God is like, I woke you up this Monday. I gave you the fruit of a day, the blessing of a day. Therefore, you should work and you should work well with excellence and with diligence. And some of us have been too sloppy. I don't know why I'm staying on this point, but some of us have been sloppy with our work. We, we've been, we've lacked integrity with our work. And, the, re- and the, the main way I've seen us lack integrity is when we're in between career moves. See, if I love the job, I'll work hard at it. But the moment I start to not like the job, I slack. But God is like, no, every day work well. I don't care if you like it or not. You are designed to work well. It is not working is not a result of the fall. God gave the command to work in Genesis 2.18 before they even fell. So God is like, it's a part of my creative order. It's a part of how I wired this thing to work. You should work and you should work well. And this calling to rest is work and rest is a communal, this working six days and resting one really is a communal rest. It's not just individualistic, but it's to be contagious to those that are around you. Look at what the scripture says, verse 10. But on the seventh day, there's a Sabbath to the Lord, your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Who? Here it is. You, your sons, your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, your livestock, like literally the animals need to rest. The sojourner who is within your gates, which means it's not this call to rest isn't just for believers because the sojourner that is within your gates that may not know me should be able to reflect me. Do you know what atheist looks like God when he sleeps? Do you realize that? Because sleeping is the daily Sabbath. Every day you close your eyes, God is like, that's me on the seventh day. Every day, even when you deny him, he's like, no, you still, you're still showing me. You're still showing my character and who I am. And so this idea of working six and resting one needs to be contagious. It needs to be everybody around you. You need to have your family members resting. You need to have, and this, you know who gets this? The Jewish community. They teach their kids at a young age. 
You, you know who else gets this? Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I love uh, uh, the, the album that just came out, uh, Jesus is King, Kanye West album. He has a song on there that says, closed on Sundays. Ba- basically, he, he's like, you my Chick-fil-A. Like, that's so dope to me. What he's, what he's communicating is what God looks like when God rests. And you know what I love about Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A is willing to not just rest, but lose money. The Jewish community is willing to lose money having one day off. Go to B&H, the, the, video, the video store. Go on a Saturday if you want to. One day I got on the train and I went down to get some video equipment and I got down to B&H on 32nd Street and it was shut down. But I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'll just go on my phone and order what I need to order. I got on my phone and their website was shut down. In other words, they're like, I don't even want your money on my day off. And, and here's what I know. They ain't sitting up going, oh, my God, we ain't got no money on the seventh day. They own half of Brooklyn. And they're resting. They're working six and resting one. But you work in seven. And we like, God, I can't get paycheck to paycheck. God is like, you need to rest. You need to be productive in the six. You need to be focused in the six. You need to not be playing solitaire on company time. Work hard so that that one day you can spend some time with me and I can put in you vision. What else I want you to do? I can put in you what it looks like to be responsible. I can put in you this idea of communal rest. The people around you should be able to look at you, deny projects and say, I know I could have made money on that, but I got to protect my day off. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a non-believer you saying this would advance my career, but I'm going to give you the opportunity because if I take it, I'll never get any rest. They're going to be like, who is the God that you serve? That you would slip me this project, advance my career. Who, but do we trust God enough to do that? Do, do, we, do, we, do we honor God enough to be able to say, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's communal rest. I went to Israel a couple years ago. And part of my trip was to spend time at a rabbi's house on his Shabbat. In, in other words, his Sabbath. And on Saturday, Israel, everything in Israel is shut down. There's nothing open on a Saturday in Israel. And I get to the rabbi's house and he says, I have two rules for you. First rule, he's, he's honoring verse 10 here. First rule is you can't use your phone in my house because using your phone is not resting. So if you want to use your phone, go outside. There was a moment where Ty and the boys were FaceTiming me. and I literally had to go outside in order to pick up the FaceTime. He was inviting me to rest. Not only that, but he did the second rule he had was don't turn off any lights. Because if you turn off a light in the house, it literally has to stay off all the way until the next day because to turn it on, something so simple to turn it on is work. Go to a Jewish hospital on their Shabbat. You're going to get on that elevator and you're going to stop at every single floor. And if you got to go to the top, it's going to take you forever. Y'all ever been to Mamamides? Well, you got to get on every single floor. And what happens is if you press the button, they consider that operating machinery. Now you're going, that's too much. That's too legalistic. But they know the principle of rest and it's ingrained in who they are. But we're the only ones that look at the commandment on rest and be like, ah, God is like, no, it's my longest commandment. It's the one I'm inviting you in, not just you, but everybody, your family, your, your non-believing friends, like invite everybody to have this day of rest. Now, the reason we don't rest is tied. See, our lack of rest is tied to a lack of trust. You don't trust that God can actually handle that one day. 
That, that's what it is. You, you think that you actually are holding everything together. Your job will be there when you get back. Like, can you, when God rested, the universe ain't fall apart. After the seventh day, the, like the mountains ain't melt, the sun ain't come crashing down. Like your job will be there. That, that business that you're operating will be there. Like it will always be there. But what you have to do is you have to have enough trust in God. And some of you are in the driver's seat and God is your co-pilot. And the reason you're in the driver's seat is because you don't trust that God can drive the thing. See, I sleep best in the car when I trust the driver. If the driver is reckless and he's in and out of lanes, this means I don't sleep with Ty when the driver is like running in and out of lanes. Like, it's hard to trust that that person knows what they're doing. But if the person is very cautious in how they drive, you can get you a good nap. You can get you good sleep. Why? Because you trust the person that's in the driver's seat. And some of you, you need to take a day off just to prove to yourself that you ain't holding it together. You need to take a day off just to prove to yourself that you're not God. The, the, the Bible gives us a clear understanding of the Trinity. It's made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all three seats are well taken, and you ain't on one of them seats. Yeah. It's not the quadrinity. It ain't the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and you. It's God, and, and he holds all things together. Many of us in this room got jobs that you ain't even qualified for. Is that anybody's testimony that you don't know how you got the job? Your interview was horrible. Your resume wasn't together. But yet somehow you got the job. It's because of God. And can I promise you that you don't keep the job because of you? You didn't get it because of you. you got it because of God. And you don't keep it because of you. You keep the job because God is on his post. Take a day off. You'll be all right. Put away the, the project for a day. You'll be okay. Because God is like, listen, you don't reflect me. You're not fruitful and productive when you're tired. You ever been in a busy season where you worked seven days a week, but you weren't productive? See, we're not all productive when we work. And let's be honest. Some of us are, as Ecclesiastes says, beating the air. We ain't hitting nothing. We just, we just swinging and we giving exercise. It's an exercise for you. But in reality, God is like, if you really want to make impact, give me one of those days. And you work the six because then that's more impact. Now, you got to understand something about rest. Rest daily, a weekly rest actually points you to an eternal rest that every believer will have. Do you want to know one day that you won't have to punch in? One day there'll be no more emails. I need somebody with a bunch of emails. Pastor Timmy, I I saw Pastor Timmy's emails. I was like, you in sin, bro. It's just too many emails that you got coming in at one time. And there's going to be a day where you're sitting with God basking in the glory and the presence of Jesus Christ. And you will enter into eternal rest. And that is secured to us by work. How? Jesus worked. Jesus worked so well so that you will never have to work again. And when he got done with the work, he says crazy stuff like it is finished. Work is done. Work is accomplished. Now enter into my rest. There's a couple of scriptures you should write down. I'll end with these. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine and 10 says, there remains a rest for the people of God. For whoever enters into God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. 
You should write this one down too. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was not made for man, not man for the Sabbath, so that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Your rest points us to an ultimate rest in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus today, the greatest work boundary you need is eternal rest. What you need to is trust Jesus. We are glad that you are here. We know it is awkward for you to be amongst a bunch of, a bunch of people that you don't know the structure, you don't know the culture. We sing into a Jesus who you don't see physically here, but what that's pointing us to is an eternal rest in Christ. And he secured that for you by doing on the cross what you would never be able to do. In six hours, he accomplished what it would have taken you in hell, in eternity in hell to accomplish, and that's satisfying the wrath of God. It is through Jesus Christ that we actually do get to rest. Who is it in this room that you're tired, you're exhausted, you're on the brink of a nervous breakdown, nobody knows, you're working every day? Who is it in this room that is a slave to what they're doing? And you've made it your identity. In fact, you've made it cool. Only our culture will make grinding every day cool. Y'all remember when Diddy was doing that back a couple years ago? He's like, everybody up. Everybody, nobody, team no sleep. Everybody stay up and, and work and grind. I watched the Insta story the other day where he was like, yeah, that's a lie. I'm resting. I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm sleeping because God created you to produce when you're resting, not when you're tired. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What do the rhythms of rest look like in your life? What, what does it look like for you to actually take some time off? Many of us in this room have created this model of work, 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 finally vacation. But what the, the principle of work six, rest one, isn't work, 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 vacation. It's actually work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work, rest. What do you have to put in place to protect your sanity? What boundaries do you need to put in place to make sure that people don't put too much on your plate? What do you have to put in place to make sure that your boss isn't overextending you? Father, I pray for the room. We need discipline. We need discipline, Lord. You've modeled it for us. You, I mean, you showed us that we have no excuse. We have no excuse. We don't want to be legalistic about it, but Father, we, we need some rest. And not just one day of rest, God. We need consistent rhythms of rest.